My name is Josh, and I am a freelance writer and web developer. And my name is Lee Hawkinswood. I am a leader in the tech and digital experience management space. And this is Verbal Remedy, the show where we explore all manner of topics from life, leadership, and anything else that interests us. If you like what we do and you want to follow us, then you can find me, Josh, on Twitter, at SultanJosh21. And you can find me on LinkedIn, at Lee Hawkinswood. And that's enough of all of that. Let's get to the episode. Since this is the first episode of our new podcast, I think that it would be a good idea to talk about starting things, whether that be new projects at work, new hobbies, uh, health and fitness routines. Uh, Really, I think there are some generic underlining principles which I have whenever I want to start something new. And I want to know, Lee, do you have uh, those same kind of generic underlining principles? How do you start things, you know, from the very beginning, like generating ideas to starting to get the ball rolling and then what are your expectations for success? Do you, uh, you know, how quickly do you quit on something as well? These are all the things that I want to explore. So let's begin at the very, very beginning. What is your ideation process? Whenever you want to start something new, how do you, what's your process for capturing and generating ideas? And how do you know when you hear a good idea that this is an opportunity, this is one that you want to pursue? I I guess it depends on what the idea sits within. So in a work environment, ideas can come from anywhere uh, about anything to do with what you're working on or what your team's working on, personal development, mentoring, coaching, anything like that. So if it's, I want to come up with something to add value in my new role. So you come up with a strategy as to how you're going to approach a new role. You know you're angling for some ideas. Um, I think that one common thing that you're going to use across all ideation is uh, analysis and research. I think that's a very common starting place. Whether you get an idea for a new story to write or a new process to develop or you're trying to explore with someone how to help them develop best, you're probably going to start with some analysis and research, whether it's you, whether it's another person. So take this podcast, for example. Yeah. Um, we have the option of jumping straight in, and I guess this develop, this um, depends on the kind of personality types as well. You've got people who are just going to dive straight in and see how it goes. You've got people who are going to plan a little bit more, do a bit more study around it. So leading into this you've done a bunch of um, exploration of different tools different approaches so you've done some research you've had an initial idea and then you've kind of fleshed that out a little bit so that that's that's really where it starts for me is I get kind of a a glimmer of an idea in my head and then I'll start to explore it through analysis and research sometimes that analysis and research will include also talking to other people Talk, speaking it aloud, talking to other people, bouncing the idea around. Um, you and I have had a ton of conversations where I've said, or you've said, what do you think of this? And that's our, that's the beginning of our research. It's almost like a yeah. feedback, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's definitely some overlap as well. 
uh, like ideation never really stops. I would say we are, uh, you know, with, with this podcast as an example, we have jumped into this episode with not a whole lot of conversation and a whole lot of planning uh, because whilst this is officially the first episode, this is also a part of the ideation. We're going to um, record this episode and listen back and get a feel for what we want to do with our podcast. And so the idea generation definitely um, uh, definitely penetrates the kind of first few uh, actual doing steps of, of any project, I think. Uh, but it definitely does start with ideation. And one of the things that I do for generating ideas is I'm definitely like a, a note taker. I like to try to capture anything inspirational, any ideas that come in, uh, anything that I that could turn into an opportunity, could turn into something that I want to do. I try to note it down and I try to jump into it and explore it and research it, like you said. Um, now, I know that you're also the kind of person who likes to have like a little book on hand to jot down notes in, to just dump your your thoughts into. How long have you been doing that? And how do you like how long have you been doing that and do you find that effective have you had many like ideas for projects for things to do that have come out of those notes that have come out of that book mm -hmm. yeah yeah i've got my trusty book here right here with me um, where i jotted down some notes ahead of our conversation just to kind of get I, I i use i use pen and paper to warm up my thinking process yeah uh, I, I try taking notes digitally and just doesn't give me the same um, uh, output and results. I can mm -hmm. do it. it. It does. It does after a while kind of pick up some momentum, but it's not quite the same as putting pen to paper. So uh, in terms of in terms of your question, uh, if do, do I have much that comes out of those notes that leads on to something? Um, yeah, I think I would say I'd say, in, in fact, the team that we have worked on together the most in our primary roles, in our professions, that for me started off as pen and paper. Yeah. And that was, it wasn't even a given that I would be the guy leading that team. It could have gone to anyone. And I was asked to do some data analysis to begin with. Um, so I was reluctant at first and was convinced by my manager that it was worth giving a go, went for it, had a good conversation with the person hiring for the role and then I got a bit excited about it and this idea started to form in my mind about yeah. where I could take it. What was my battle plan here? I, I clearly wanted to get back into people leadership and people development, which I wasn't doing at the time. And so I started to write down on paper. I draw really crap pictures of what I'm thinking. I'm not an artist. I draw really bad pictures <laughs> of what I'm thinking about and write lists and weigh up pros and cons. Um, which you can risk over-engineering it like that, but sometimes just kind of dumping thoughts onto a page and then going back over them. I, kind of one of the notes I put down after research is reflection. So put put down anything I've got, do a bunch of research, put that on paper too, and then reflect across those notes just to mm -hmm. get an idea of, well, this isn't so good. This is probably worth something. And it gives me some talking points. because My memory isn't good enough to remember everything that goes through my mind. Um, so putting it down on, on, on paper gives me that opportunity to reflect. So that's, yeah. that is really a big part of my early process is writing it down. To be honest, not just my early process, it's the process all along the way. It's 
um, reflecting on my early notes even later in the process to see where we've come um, and it's also along the way I'll be getting a lot of good ideas from other people so I do I rely a lot on those conversations and and, and uh, uh, um, kind of bouncing thoughts around to really turn an idea into something special and I note all of that down as much as I can anyway uh, I note it down so yeah in answer to yeah, your question I, I completely agree I like I'm quite a uh, I'm quite a tech guy like I, I do like my tech and I actually did try digital notes for a bit I wish I could get by with with just digital notes um, it like just being able to take digital notes would kind of take a lot of boxes for me because I try and live in a minimalist fashion and I try and live zero waste uh, if I could take my notes digitally rather than having to go through disposable pens and notebooks that ha would have its advantages and so earlier this year I actually threw away my stack of, of notebooks that I had, I just have them jotted around my home and I will just scribble in them as I go. Uh, and I decided to get rid of them because I thought I can, I can digitize my note taking. Uh, I, I use Notion for my digital notes and I do keep some digital notes. Um, and I have Notion on my phone. So, you know, I have it, always have it to hand. It should be really easy for me to just switch to digital note taking. I thought I would start uh, taking like voice clips and, and recording and, and keeping those as notes as well. And these are so, some ideas that I got from Getting Things Done, the Dave, uh, David Allen's book. And uh, like he kind of, he describes this system of having something to write on everywhere that you are, you know, by the sink, because you're going to be standing there doing washing up, by your bedside table, because that's where you, you, you spend most of your day probably in bed. Um, not most, hopefully. Uh, by, by the toilet, in the bathroom, anywhere that you're going to be stopped for more than 60 seconds, have something there that you can jot down notes for. And so I did try and digitize all of this and I feel like I gave it a yeah. genuine effort, but now I've kind of slid back and I have like stacks of post-it notes all over the flat. Um, I have, I, I bought some, some notebooks just the other day. I, I finally caved and bought some small notebooks that I could keep in my pocket by my bedside table. Um, I bought some, I, I did buy some, uh, pens from EcoScribe, which are supposed to be all paper and like no, no plastic, uh, and entirely recyclable and everything like that, which kind of, uh, helps me align with the zero waste side. But ultimately, even though I really did give it an effort, I feel like my note-taking deteriorated and, and by extension, my creativity deteriorated um, during that period where I was trying to take digital, digital notes. I really think that there is something about physical pen and paper that I find much more satisfying. And I, I don't know whether it's the process of just writing something out uh, or, or maybe it's because you actually just have to spend a little bit longer on it. Um, or actually it could be that there is less lag. Like if I want to write something, if I'm standing there doing washing up and I have an idea and I want to write it down, I just take off the gloves, pick up a pen, write it on a post-it note, done. If I need to put those notes into my phone, there is the process of unlocking my phone, opening the Notion app, going to uh, my in-tray, which is the page in Notion where I keep all these random notes, and then typing it in. And I actually think that even though 
digital like uh, even though technology is supposed to be more convenient and faster I, I don't think it i don't think you can get much faster than just scribbling something down on a post-it note and i also think that the benefit of taking notes is that our brains aren't made for remembering things our brains are made for thinking uh thinking and ideas that's what's really going to drive progress. That's what's going to drive creativity. That's what's going to drive success for you. So by freeing up your brain from having to remember anything and just focusing on, on thinking, on developing ideas, on, on daydreaming, I think there's real power in that. And uh, that's something that is also one of the kind of core tenets of uh, of getting things done. It's this idea of building an external brain, which is your entire note-taking system. Um, and that does all the remembering for you so that you don't have to remember a thing and you can free up all of your brain power to think about things, to fantasize, to to make connections. Uh, and I think that that's, that's the way that I like to, that's the way that I like to generate ideas. So do you, during project or development development of a new idea do you speak aloud much as you go about your day as you're um as you're not necessarily taking notes but do you speak things aloud to try to help flesh out the idea i think i do you know i've never paid much attention to it and maybe i'll set up something to record it happening but i do feel like i kind of have a conversation with myself or have a conversation with my pet um or just i don't know with the open space but yeah i think that verbalizing helps as well yeah uh, I, I can kind of i distinctly remember now well not the specifics but i remember moments where i'll make a connection i'll, I'll have almost a small eureka moment an epiphany um, and I will say it out loud. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I, I think I think it's a part of living alone is that since I don't have somebody necessarily to talk to all day. Uh, on the one hand, I can just talk to myself, and there's nobody around to call me weird. And on the other hand, I have to just talk to myself. There's nobody else around to talk to. Yeah, I think it's. Re- I actually think it's really important to kind of breathe life into a thing is to say it aloud it's talked about often when it comes to objective setting and goal setting if you have an ambition speak it aloud it's that whole personal positive reinforcement thing mm-hmm. but when i'm working on ideas i have a conversation with myself aloud about the idea i ask myself questions about it i ask myself where do i want to go with it what are my blockers how much time have i got what's the level of effort and complexity i have those kind of conversations but i'll even just i kind of won't make much of a formula of it sometimes i'll just talk about the thing or one thing i do is i actually i actually imagine myself speaking to someone else sometimes so i'll go around the room here in the study and i'll kind of just go in circles or go back and forth and i'll talk as if i'm talking to a small group of people or have like a target audience in my mind like a group of imaginary friends exactly. what do these imaginary friends look like it varies from day to day it can look like whatever <laughs> i want but um um and, and i have so I, I i live with i live with um, my wife arena uh, my grand-in-law my son he's two uh, he gives me the best feedback on stuff um I speak to Arena, and I, so I speak to my wife about ideas, and I get lots of really good uh, engagement from her. 
but even still i will still talk to myself about stuff i'll still talk yeah. it out it's just a different part of the process i think if the question we're exploring is how to start new things um um part of my process in doing that is note taking physical pen paper and also speaking aloud i think there's tons of different facets to it but those are certainly two of the ones i use most commonly um and 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 follow-up question so do you when you're listening to something informational a webinar an audio book a useful youtube video uh, or a presentation do you switch to digital note taking because it's faster to type than it is to write by hand yes actually i do i uh whenever i'm taking book notes or notes for like an article uh anything like that i i do take digitally i think in part because i have like a book notes section on notion where i like to keep a note of all of the things that i i have found impactful to consume um, and how they've impacted me, what my impressions were, what I've learned from them, key quotes, that kind of thing. And I do want all of that in an organized place where I can refer to it uh, because I like to be able to go back and revisit those and uh, very quickly, almost like look at my notes and kind of get, get very quickly a distilled kind of impression of whatever it was I consumed. Yeah, you know, I watched um, Seaspiracy, on Netflix the other day and I made some notes about the impressions that it had on me uh, both the message and the actual you know the the cinema the, the documentary that the filmmaking um, and what my impressions were and uh, and that kind of thing um, and, and I do all of that digitally because I want it to all be in the same place if I write that in a notebook somewhere I'm never gonna find it again uh, I tend to use my notebooks as, as a brain dump and I do find it very useful sometimes, uh, especially if I'm kind of in a rut, like if I'm in a creative rut, uh, I find it really useful to go back and start to read through my journals and, and start to read through my notebooks. Uh, like that really can kind of lubricate the process, the design process. Um, but when it comes to actually keeping like book notes and things yeah i like to keep those digital have you seen these apps where you can scan your physical notes and they digitize it they're pretty cool that is cool and i have seen yeah i have seen some stuff like that i've seen uh there's like an i can't remember the name of it but there is a notebook which you can write on um uh, and it's specifically designed so that you can write on it and then do something and it will send it into like just send it to uh, into the cloud and you can access it from your PC uh, and yeah. then you can you can just clear it and start writing again. And that, you know, that appeals to the the zero waste side of my lifestyle. If I could have a notebook to write things in and didn't actually have to keep replacing notebooks that, you know, I find that thought appealing, but. I've never really given any of them a go. You know, I, 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 I just, I feel like the, the interest is there, but I don't think that there's quite a need yet because I just think that you can't beat uh, a notebook and a pen. Maybe we have to do a follow-up where we, we drill 
specifically into note taking. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> yes. art and science of taking notes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we could probably talk for this entire hour about just generating ideas. Yeah, uh, yeah. But maybe it's something we'll delve into a bit more deeply another time. Uh, but not this time, because I also want to talk about a bit more of the process for starting yeah. something. So let's say you've got something new that you want to do. You've pulled in ideas from all these different sources, talking to people, reading things online. You've been inspired by your notes. You've done a little bit of research. What would be your approach to actually starting the thing? If it's uh, something in business, something at work, I think normally it starts with a conversation, you know, about, you know, can I do this thing? Is this possible? Uh, would anybody be receptive to this? Uh, but I think that if it's something like, uh, let's say you want to take up running, or let's say you want to um, start writing a blog or something, what would what's your approach to starting something like that? Like that first article, that first thing that you create that is a part of this larger project what's your approach to that 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 first item i think it depends again on the thing i mean i think that one obstacle or blocker that people will face with starting something new is over engineering it mm -hmm. so i'm a big planner uh, researcher documenter like we we're talking about notes i take a ton of notes i write a lot down but some of the stuff that I've had ideas about, I've really over-engineered it or tried to shoot for perfection too early. I've set expectations way too high. So if it's something like a lifestyle, a health and fitness lifestyle routine, something like that, just do it. Unless you're looking for specific equipment or whatever, you obviously have to do a bit of research around that. But let's say running is your example earlier. If I wanted to... Um, improve my health and fitness and running was my chosen way of doing that uh, i don't not even necessarily have sat and researched it for a long time to come to that conclusion i just think maybe i like running i don't like running but I, maybe i thought i like running so that's the thing i'm going to do all i need to do is put on my trainers and go outside yeah that's that the best way to start sometimes is just do just get the just start doing the thing Mm -hmm. uh, rather than engineer it for a long period of time i really think there's that you you heard the term analysis paralysis I think it's a, it's a yeah. nice little term that describes it well, where you just overthink the thing. If you're working on, say, a mobile app idea, then you need to do a whole ton of research and stuff first. So let's say you've done all the research, you've so you, part of the research is market research, figuring out the costs, the effort, the potential value, all this stuff. Hopefully at some point you're gonna have built a plan. Mm -hmm. And at some point in that plan, you're gonna have execution. You're going to have the initial execution. So maybe that's go to market, maybe that's go to test group, something like that. That's really how I would get started with something uh, more more production based. I would have a plan. I would put together. It doesn't have to be a master plan, a world domination in an app. Essentially, it doesn't have to be that. I have to have a good starting point in that plan. With something like that, a product, you're obviously going to take it much more seriously. You have to be willing to put a good chunk of time into it. Because yeah. that's another obstacle I think people face is their own uh, desire for swift gratification or return on investment. Mm -hmm. And when that doesn't happen, they get disheartened. But uh, you can't, we've talked before about how you can't just strike when motivation is high. You get a new idea, 
you've got this fire of motivation and passion in your belly and you put 110 percent into the idea you stay up like you can't sleep you wake up during the night you've got a notebook next to your bed maybe you quit you'll scribble some notes into that you're eating breakfast you're 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 listening to podcasts about it you're doing all this sort of stuff but then the motivation tapers off a little bit and nothing happens yeah so that's an it's 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 a real obstacle that i think people face so having a really uh key starting point whatever it may be is is really really important maybe it's worth cycling around a couple of examples because i think that what new things in and of itself is very very broad how do how do you start new things there are tons of different types of new things whether it's hobby or job lifestyle choice uh, business and investment depends on what it is as to kind of what your starting point may be so if you were going to start let's say web design as this is something that both you and i have some experience in Mm. for you going into web design what is your what is your starting point in terms of when you would actually look for your first customer when what level would you have to be at and how what would you do leading up to that so i think uh i have i think i have what seems a bit like a cop-out answer to this uh but okay. i think that the the advice that i would give to anybody who was struggling with those same blockers with uh this kind of desire for instant gratification which we are all susceptible to which is the default setting uh is to think about starting new things Uh, any new project in the form of systems rather than goals. So my goal for web development, for web design might be to to make one customer happy, to, to land a client, land a freelance job. And that goal is a good thing. It provides guidance. It provides, uh, you know, something on the horizon for me to focus on. Uh, it, it provides direction. But what I really pay attention to is my system. My system, what I really pay attention to is the system that I've established that my web development project is predicated on. And that might be a system that says something like, I'm going to do two hours of web development learning a day, sure. um, uh, three days a week. And then one day a week, I'm going to spend those that two-hour slot that I've carved out for web development. I'm going to spend it actually working on something live, like my own website, my own freelancing website. Uh, and then one day a week, I'm going to spend cold emailing clients. Uh, and as long as I have achieved each of those things on the days that I said that I would achieve them, I am succeeding you know, and I will draw gratification from that. Uh, I have, I'm nowhere near uh, reaching my goal and I don't know when I'm going to reach it. But if I stick with this system, I know that it will happen. And so that's the way that I try to focus on things. I, I, I don't even necessarily like putting too much of a time pressure on goals. I like goals to just provide me a direction to go in. And then I like to build systems to get me there. I guess it kind of depends on the circumstances to a large part as well then because let's say somebody is made redundant from their role the new thing they need to start is right now yeah uh, 
well, depending on the circumstances, how much money they've got in their back pocket as a result of that process. But it might be that somebody is providing for a family and they need to get a job right now. So they're starting a new thing, perhaps won't be research, it won't be all the stuff that we've talked about. It will be, let's just apply for 100 things and see what sticks. Um, so that's their that's their system essentially just mm. click 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 apply to all this and, and, and as well the I think the personality type is really really a huge part I mean you could say that about anything but you and I are big on planning and systems and all that kind of thing but somebody else might really struggle to establish that kind of thing they might they might benefit more from saying okay I need to understand what level I'm going to be at before I start cold emailing prospects. So I need to have built my website and put it through various tools because you have to be able to measure the quality of it in some way. Do I like the look of it? Get some feedback from other people, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. You're obviously going to need to test it, put it through some tools, not to get too heavy into that, but things like um, page speed test. You're going to put it through different things to figure out uh, is this is this website any good would somebody like this website is this a marketable product yeah um i guess in the example of of web design you would also probably break into the market quite cheap to start building a bit of a portfolio so i guess you could build that into your plan but that's where the plan comes in again to sit on top of your systems yeah, and that's where kind of uh, where patience is very important as well. And I think that patience is an important aspect to starting anything. Uh, you know, wanting instant gratification and wanting something out of it very quickly is normally not going to work out. And another thing that you mentioned there was, uh, let's say there's a real time pressure on, like you've been made redundant and you need to find another job. Now, I think in that scenario most people aren't going to struggle to be motivated. I actually myself find desperation to be a really good motivator. Uh, so yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when there is immense pressure on, um, that's often when you're likely to find that you're able to be very motivated for the longest period of time. Like when you really need to. I think that this idea of systems over goals using your goals for direction and establishing these systems to get you there that's for the times when i guess you're you're not desperate when you want to strive uh like i feel that let's say you're in a position where you are desperate to start something uh you you, whatever it is you need to do the real the time pressure is on you need to find a job you need to make some money you need to get a new client you need to start exercising very quickly those Whenever you're in those positions, you're going to be motivated by that external factor that is looming over you. And that is giving you the fire that you need. I mean, I mean, a fire is is lit under your ass and that's going to keep you going. And that's going to keep sure. you motivated and going for long enough to get this thing off the ground. But if you're, say, uh, in a job, you're comfortable, you're getting paid and there is no pressing need. Uh, then I would say you're striving. You know, you, you, if you're striving for more, you have to make your own motivation. There is no big boogeyman external force that is going to force you to get up and do something. Uh, you have to, you have to find that yourself. And 
thankfully you're in a position where you can find something to motivate you that's a bit more kind than say the threat of unemployment or worse um and that's where i tend to turn to uh defining a goal and then setting up a system and i think that's the strength in systems they work when you they continue to work when you're not motivated that's why i like them Uh, and and i think that if you're starting something new investing in kind of setting up a solid system for making sure that you're working a little bit on that every day or every week or whatever it is uh, is is the best way to both improve and find out whether this is actually something that you want to do uh, you know continue to generate those ideas um, and to actually actually begin doing it there's there's a story that i like that kind of relates to this uh, which I've seen named unofficially the photo sh- parable, the photo parable, where in a photography class, uh, the teacher split the group, uh, the class into two groups. One, he said, were going to be graded on the number of photos that they took. They had to take a photo every day for 30 days, and if they took 30 photos, they got a pass. If they didn't, they got a fail. The other group, he said that they were only allowed to take a single photo, but they had to spend the entire 30 days getting the perfect photo. And they would not be graded on anything but this one photo that they submitted. And at the end of the month of these students going through their kind of respective courses, uh, all of the best photos in the class were from the group who took a picture every day. Even though they weren't looking for the perfect photo, they got so much practice, so much experience from just setting up that habit of doing it every day. Taking one photo a day and not really caring about um, about the, the quality of that photo is easy. That is a system that you can set up. It can become a habit. And then whether you're motivated or not, to think about it, whether you've got the energy or not that day, you can just do it. You know, it's it's very little effort to get that done. And it has a big impact on, uh, you know, finding out what kind of photos you like to take, uh, continuing to develop the idea, actually getting practice taking photos, uh, continuing to develop your own skill. And I think that... Uh, I, I think that this story kind of sums it up in a really nice way for me uh, that in the beginning, when you're starting something new, it is a matter of quantity over quality, which is, I think, something that we're almost conditioned to not believe. You know, we're, we're told time and time again when we're growing up uh, that it's quality over quantity. You know, if you're going to do something, do it right. But some things you can't just do right. You've got to learn to do them right. Um, and I think that, that this story puts it in a, in a really nice way. That, that if you're starting out with something, uh, just, just do it. Just start doing it every day. It's like if somebody wanted to learn to paint. Um, you know, them painting every day is probably the best thing that they could do without really giving any regard to quality. I guess what it, what it really boils down to is that you can't improve at something that you're not doing. You cannot reiterate 
on a product that doesn't exist yet. So do something, uh, get moving, create a minimally viable product. And I mean a really minimally viable product and then start iterating upon it. And that's like, uh, that, that, and that's why in a part of my system for web design, I, I focus the majority of my attention on, you know, learning web design, completing courses, but I do focus some of my attention each week on actually creating my own website because uh, you know, I, I, I create it and it looks terrible. Um, but it is my first website and my first website's gonna look terrible. At least that's for me and not for a client. Yeah. Uh, it almost should in a way to, to a certain degree. I think there's so much stuff you said there that kind of provokes other thoughts. And one of the things is, I think it was George R. R. Martin said something. I'm going to butcher this by the way, <laughs> uh, but it was something like, it'll illustrate the point. It was something like, you have 10,000 or 100,000 or however many words, terrible words in you as a, as a, as a budding author that you need to get out yeah. before you'll write something good. You have to. So you can't go in and say, right, I'm going to write a masterpiece. First draft, done. Um, it was somebody else who said writing is rewriting. Perhaps maybe Brandon Sanderson said that. I can't, mm-hmm. re- can't remember. Uh, so you need to do the doing. Uh, I think that one of the biggest blockers in how to start new things is authority. I think people, I think there's a lot of fear surrounding starting something new. And there's a lot of self-doubt. And I think that one of the things that blocks people is this expected level of authority, subject authority around a thing. So you think you need to be really, really good at a thing really fast it's that gratification bit but perhaps not even gratification let's say well you get gratification from releasing something of quality but say you're learning to play guitar yeah you have to put so many painstaking hours in um, developing calluses on your fingers on gaining the muscle memory to know the formation by which to do a chord Mm -hmm. and then not how to just you've great you've got it you've got your chord you understand how to do that chord, you can do that chord really, really well. Now you have to go from one chord to another. You have to transition. Then you have to do that a few times. And then you learn a different type of picking, You're like sweet picking or something. So you are terrible at guitar. Like the classic is violin. Like you, you see you see the, the, all the neighbors or people in the house uh, have this horrible screeching sound of the violin before you end up with this beautiful melody uh, at some point. So authority is really a huge blocker to overcome and why it's so important to just do the doing as quickly as possible. So it's like you said, um, get doing something. It's going to be terrible at first. Expect it. Accept it. There's a friend of mine who I was talking to on the back of one of our conversations, actually. Really, really smart guy. Got a lot of respect for him. Very ambitious. um, Really hard worker. Is always, his mind is bringing up new ideas and he's forging new things he's always i've got a list of i've got a bunch of whatsapp messages for him right here about a new cryptocurrency idea he's got in terms of uh, development yeah and uh, he comes up with tons and tons of ideas and one of the things uh, so i spoke to him before about uh, kind of podcasting and that kind of stuff uh, just a f- just a fun um podcast based on a game and said you know i don't think we're gonna have time to do this 
but it's a cool idea. I like the idea of just nerding out over the idea of a game. It's based on stuff that you and I have talked about around Magic podcast. Yeah. Um, and his response was, despite all of his energy and passion and fire and intellect and everything, all the all the ingredients to a really good uh, idea generator you know, of a person, uh, his his response was, I just don't think we know enough about the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have enough subject knowledge. And that's authority. It's subject authority. Um, and for me, it's like, well, who cares? Who cares if what we're saying is complete nonsense so long as we're enjoying the fact that we're nerding out over this because we're having these conversations anyway. Yeah. But actually, often what we do is we, we, we underestimate ourselves. And you never know. The accountability that comes with having a recurring conversation about something might cause you to go and do additional research, take more notes, and start to build systems and uh, habits around the thing that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree. And I think that it really is, to summarize this point, authority is one of the biggest blockers. Um, it's one of the things that stops people from pushing forward with something that could turn into a really good idea. It's the doubt in their own authority on the thing. But what they need to understand is uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. It takes time. So suck, suck good at that. Excellent advice. Yeah. At that, um, leave that in because that is a powerful <laughs> statement. Uh, definitely cut that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that what this reminds me of is this uh, psychological concept of the spotlight. So the <clears throat> what this reminds me of is this psychological concept of the spotlight effect where we, or also known or as by the name that I prefer to call it, protagonist syndrome, where we kind of all think that there is a spotlight on us um, and that everybody's, at, or more attention is on us than is actually the case. And everybody feels this way. This is incredibly, incredibly common. And I think that that feeling contributes to um, this idea of, of not really feeling like you're, enough of an authority to talk about something um and i think that it is you know it's a it's a fallacy it's it's absolutely not the case you know you can you can go and put yourself out there and talk utter rubbish and i mean it's easy to say but ultimately nobody's going to care like really like nobody is going to care if you put yourself out there and you're bad at something to begin with especially if they discover you 2 years later down the line and you're really good at it and they go back and yeah. watch they go back and watch those early videos of you uh doing whatever you're doing and you're really bad at it i've i've had this uh, exact kind of conversation with my brother recently uh, because we have another podcast uh, about Magic the Gathering, which is a hobby that we share. And I found that we would spend so much time talking about it and we would have really energetic, really passionate conversations about Magic the Gathering. Uh, and so I, I wanted to get this podcast going. And we're a few months into doing that now and we're really enjoying it. And he, and he, he does a really good job on the podcast. So in recent weeks, we've decided to start making videos as well um and we both decided we would try and create like one video per week and we would put that out low pressure uh just document whatever you're doing 
and put it out there. And he, not to call him out publicly, which is exactly what I'm doing, uh, but I've recognized it, which I think makes it okay. Uh, he, he failed to do this. And when I asked him about that, uh, he said that he recorded some videos, but then he watched them back and he just didn't feel like they were interesting games, didn't feel like he was talking enough. He didn't feel like he was enough of an authority to talk about the subject. To like, He didn't feel like he had the right as a Magic player, he wasn't good enough to put a video about Magic out on the internet. And I have been trying to kind of show him that this is absolutely not the case. Um, I, I can't credit this source, but one of my favorite quotes when it comes to starting something new uh, and feeling like you don't have the confidence that you're not good enough to uh, to speak on the subject is document don't create and i how i interpret that is that when you're starting out uh, just document what you are doing you know maybe you're not bringing really exciting fresh takes to the table uh, every time you talk about this thing. Maybe you're not saying something every time you record your podcast or you make a video or you, or you write your article, something that's never been said before. Um, I think that so many people want to be original and to truly be original does require pretty much mastery of the subject matter. Um, and I, I think that's a mistake. I think that when you're starting out, just document what you are doing. You know, if you are having conversations about something that you like, no matter what it is, a video game, your lifestyle choices, um, interior design, like literally anything that you're interested in, uh, if you're talking about it or you're doing it, then that's probably what you should be doing. That's another another quote that I like from, I think, I think this one's from Naval Ravikanth. Uh, and I think it's whatever you spend your time doing is probably what you should spend your time doing. And so if you like to talk about this hobby to other people, um, but it isn't your day job or, or you don't, you know, turn that into some kind of content, you don't uh, push yourself to create content for it, then you probably should be. Whatever you're doing in your life that you don't need to do that isn't directly adding any you know i'm gonna in air quotes obvious benefit like making you money or making you smarter or making you fitter whatever it is that you're doing that's not really contributing to any of those things there's a pretty good chance that that's what you should be doing and if you start having like m making meaningful efforts uh to create content in that sphere then actually it turns into something that does make you smarter because you're practicing skills uh, that are highly relevant and transferable. And uh, you, it's much easier for you to develop those skills because they're in the context of this hobby that you really enjoy. I guess there's kind of a, a circumstantial element to it in what the idea is, what the thing is. If it's a, an idea of passion, I want to do this thing because I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy Magic the Gathering, I enjoy Warhammer, I enjoy um, football, I enjoy whatever it is. I really enjoy this thing, and I enjoy talking about that thing too. There's that, I think that applies very accurately. Mm. Um, that format that you've described. 
where I guess it slightly differs is if you are doing something as a business or an enterprise something where there are stakes on doing it poorly uh, of course you're going to be able to do it poorly behind the scenes um, but that's where some of the the plans like a business plan a classic business plan comes into yeah. play so that when you release to market you don't have the opportunity brand and and quality of product are really important particularly um given your customer experience you know, mm-hmm. being the most important part arguably so if you release websites then you don't want to get good at building websites on delivering absolute garbage to your customer yeah and then slightly better to the next one you are gonna get better with each customer because you're going to learn new things along the way but you want to start having had all of some training perhaps a mentor or some sort of tutor um, and a, load, a, bunch, a certain degree of practice runs depending on the type of web design that you're getting involved in before you go to market and start delivering to clients because you want your client to be somewhat impressed at the very least with what you've given them given yes, they might, they've, of they've given you a chunk of change to um, to to give them a product but i think that the key word that you said there was release uh and there's a there's a walt disney quote um we don't finish films we release them and i think what walt disney was trying to say with this is that uh if left unreleased walt disney and when Disney, as a wider company, would continue to reiterate upon those films. They'd keep making changes. It would never be finished. Yeah. They don't finish films. There just comes a point where it, it has to be released. Um, and I think that that's a really good way to approach it. Like, uh, if, you, if you are a perfectionist, and I think that many, many people are, uh, like we, we all want to create something that is absolutely perfect. Uh, we all want to deliver something that's absolutely perfect. But I think that if you try and get, if you get caught up chasing perfectionism, if you try, if you get caught up trying to finish whatever it is you're working on before you release it, then you will probably never get there, or, or you're, at least you'll push it back much further than it needs yeah. to be. Uh, so I like the approach of. Are focusing on releasing it you know make it the best that you can keep making it better set up your systems like we mentioned earlier uh, to make sure that you're working on it regularly each time you work on it it's getting a little bit better and eventually maybe set a date to release it no matter how yeah. good it is um, because if you've stuck to your systems it's going to be good enough to release and you don't have to stop working on it then you can keep reiterating on a product on a service on a website um, on your fitness, you know, when people post their before and after photos on Instagram, uh, showing all of the weight that they lost, I would wager that very few of those people stopped there. You know, they weren't, they didn't get there and think, well, I'm done. I've, I have, I've finished. Maybe, maybe you've finished losing weight, uh, but th- they certainly wouldn't stop improving their fitness, improving their health. Uh, yeah, you, you continue to work on these things. Uh, I think that it is important to set a criteria which will tell you when to release the thing. Because 
finishing things uh, is a lot harder than than creating something that's good enough to be released that's good enough to show the world to put out into the world and i don't think it's worth uh, and i don't think that it's really worth trying to finish things i think the the how to finish things is probably a whole subject area in itself that's true yeah that's true we were supposed to talk about how to start things weren't we (laughs) (laughs) so i think but you've touched on a few things there that i think are really 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 key for the process of starting something new you've got if, if you kind of step back and say if we're just talking about the the starting um of something new you've got all of the bits and pieces that go into that never mind all the sustainable things that you need to do to get to that point where you eventually finish a thing so we've touched on a few things around authority and um, fear and those kind of things but you mentioned uh, time at, at one point so in if you're going to be able if you're going to commit to something and you're going to be serious about it rather than start 10 things and do poorly at 10 things and if you if you do the proper research if you're in the situation where you're like i want to start a new thing and you're figuring out what that thing is that's part of your whole research and planning process but if you've decided on that thing you know what it's going to be um, then you have to consider various things before you go ahead with it time is one of those those big pieces you need to make sure that you've got the bandwidth to engage in it because mm-hmm. that then allows you to build systems and allows you to build habits you don't have to have it nailed down you don't have to be from 8 to 8.15 I'm going to do this 8.15 to 8.30 I'm going to do this you just if, if it's if it's a struggle to figure it out just commit something to yourself uh, to get going so get a sense of if you're going to learn a new skill let's say you're going to learn a new language that's a common thing that's newly started but often dropped off yeah um, it takes time it takes effort and the passion and motivation that fuels those early fires of learning drop off and it becomes more of a chore um, so look at it and say and say to yourself that you're going to spend x amount of time this starts to this is the systems that you're talking about i'm going to spend x amount of time per week or per day another thing where it's 15 minutes when i wake up an hour a week and or, or, or um, habit stacking to tap into uh, the James Clear Atomic Habits book, book that you, you um, referred me to. That's, that's really good. Um, making sure you have the time is really, really important. But there are, there, are, there are a whole host of things that I think put people off of starting a new thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like you can have a great idea. There's a ton, we're really, really, really good at talking ourselves out of something, whether mm-hmm. it's before we even start or just after we start the initial fires die down a little bit um so where the question how to start new things how do you start a new thing comes up um really understanding that it's okay to not be so good at it but you need to take it seriously i think that's one of the most fundamental nuggets really yeah it's okay to not be good at it you're starting a new thing so it would actually be quite a discredit to the thing if you were amazing at it straight away probably a violin again if you picked up a violin you were amazing straight away you were virtuoso that would be terrible for everybody else Uh, probably quite good for you but 
yeah, take taking it serious enough to set the time aside, understand the commitment that you're getting yourself into, trying it out for a certain amount of time and seeing how you've got on. So another book you referred me to is Grit, where Angela Duckworth talks about how uh, I think it was she will say to her daughter or daughters, uh, I can uh, put you forward for this this thing. I can't remember, maybe it was ballet or something. Um, you have to do it for a year. Mm-hmm. Stick with it for a year. Because she understands that you have to get through a load of stuff psychologically to get to that point where you start to um, get a real rhythm. With yeah. It. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, and I really like that idea of, of committing for a certain amount of time and really pressing yourself for that time because you do have to push through those inevitable dips in motivation um, and it's interesting that you say that because uh, one of the things that I think I would advise somebody if they were starting something new is uh, to keep it light-hearted explorative and compassionate uh, approach it and you know assess whether you want to continue like don't go in and say oh i'm going to learn a new language i'm going to do five hours of hardcore dictionary memorization uh each day and like no be be light-hearted about it you might find that after just a few times doing this thing for one reason or another it's not what you want to do and that is okay because we're still you know we're still in the ideation stage when, we're, when we start doing something, we're still forming the ideas, we're still figuring out what we want to do with it. We might do a few episodes of this podcast um, and then think, do you know what? We really, we don't want to do it unless it's going to be uh, live over a cup of coffee or something like that. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would have said that that that's the approach that I would recommend. If you're doing something new, go in and be lighthearted and curious and explorative and compassionate with yourself and compassionate with your well-being uh, but I think that that advice actually whilst I believe still sound um, kind of opposes the uh, what, what you've mentioned there about you know set uh, say you're going to do it for a year and then do it for a year because you need to push through the times that you're not going to be motivated uh, and so I mean there's there's a really interesting discussion to be had there yeah And I think we're probably out of time. (laughs) That's the end of the episode, but it doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. If you want to talk to me or Lee about anything that we've discussed, we would really encourage that. You can reach me on Twitter at SultanJosh21. Or you can find Lee on LinkedIn at Lee Hawkins Wood. We would genuinely love to hear from you and we're almost always up for a chat.